The Old Testament lesson is written in the 61st chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah, beginning at the first verse. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. The Holy Gospel is written in the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke, beginning at the eighth verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been taught, what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. Thanks be unto thee, O Lord, for this thy holy gospel. The carol puts new birth in these terms as a prayer. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. Open our hearts, Lord. Expose our hearts, we pray. Come to us, awaken in us new faith in Jesus Christ by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. From the whole uh, staff, 
of the parish of Churchill, which includes the Garrison Church down the road, they're meeting as we speak, and from my wife and from my uh, family, to you and to yours, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Let me start with uh, Dr. Zeus's The Grinch. Classic Dr. Zeus. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. This morning, we work out what a little bit more is. In fact, a lot more. The Grinch this year is called COVID-19. But he ain't stealing Christmas. As if it could be stolen. Herod, worse than a virus, couldn't steal the Christmas message. Christmas, of course, is not contained in the carols which we want to sing or all other uh, enjoyments of the season. Christmas is joyful because of the message itself given in tough times then and tough times today. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. We've been meeting all Advent and all year, and our Advent and Christmas series this year is The Weary World Rejoices. We're joining thousands of church with the same theme. The phrase comes from an old French carol we sung last night, O Holy Night of the Dear Saviour's Birth, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. We know that dawn in the life of Jesus Christ. We're looking at this topic, the weary world rejoices, through key passages in Isaiah. You can see that at the bottom of page 10, where there's an outline of this message. That's the whole series. You can download it from the internet. The key passages in Isaiah, we're calling them the purple passages or royal passages, prophetic passages about the life of Jesus. Today's glorious passage is Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 3, which I'll come back to in a moment's time. There was a story reported in the Washington Post a number of years back about a nondescript busker at a Washington DC metro station playing a violin by a rubbish bin with an open case at his feet for money. It was 7.51 a.m., the middle of peak hour. He played for 43 minutes, performed six classical pieces, and 1,097 people walked past. Each passerby, of course, had a quick choice to make. Do I stop and listen? No one knew it, said the article, but the fiddler standing there was one of the finest classical musicians in the world, playing some of the most elegant music ever written on one of the most valuable violins ever made. The violinist was Joshua Bell. The violin was a Stradivarius, $3.5 million. Seven people stopped to listen. 27 threw in change for a total of $32. $32. The article was named Pearls Before Breakfast. How similar in some respects is he to Jesus of Nazareth? The claim to consider this morning and every morning is that Jesus is in fact the world's Messiah, risen from the dead 
Lord, now. That's the claim. And he is, of course, bearing the greatest message in the universe, forgiveness for sinners like me before a holy God. That's a miracle. And hope for a broken world. And yet most will not receive him. Most will walk by. The Apostle John says, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. What would it take for you to stop and to pause and maybe even to be moved to new faith, recognizing Jesus as Messiah, Lord of your life, and then following him? You'll see on the outline on page 10, I want to ask three questions this morning. Why stop at Christmas? Why pause on Christmas? And why stand because of Christmas? Why stop, why pause, why stand? If it helps you to remember, red light, amber light, green light. Firstly, the red light. Why stop at Christmas? And the answer is simple. Because God has visited his earth. The earth he created, the universe he created and loves. He's visited uniquely. Humbly, vulnerably, wondrously, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. Here's how the Apostle John put it. The Word, right, God, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The carol puts it this way, joy to the world. The Lord is come, let earth receive her king. But when the Lord came, did he find faith faith on earth? Did we receive him? He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Don't think for one minute that you can't join them in not receiving him. Not only that, that they killed him, hoping that they were rid of this meddlesome. Who was he, prophet? What was he claiming? They thought they'd got rid of him. Oh, no. God took on flesh to reveal his heart and to expose ours, to reveal his love for us and to expose our lack of love for him. John says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice for sin. Of course, Jesus grew up. And through Jesus' life, his death and resurrection, he offers salvation to you and to me this morning via the door of forgiveness. And he will eventually redeem this planet via a decisive moment in the future. I believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life of the world to come. Amen. And if that's true, then we need to stop and to heed. Because in rush hour, people walk by. They do. C.S. Lewis, Narnia author, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. So it's worth stopping, red light, and pausing, now our amber light. Why pause on Christmas Day? Because some of you listen and you ask, really? Can it be true? This miracle of God on earth? 
child born? We say, really? It is true. We take bread and wine in a few moments' time in a COVID-safe way, prepared properly, sanitized hands. You take it if you are a follower of Jesus Christ or willing to become one this morning for the first time. I've seen people take bread and wine with tears rolling down their eyes. But they took it the week before and the week before that. They came up to you afterwards and said, for the first time as a follower, my father sat in church for nine years before the penny dropped. God entered his heart, showed him grace. Before then, he thought it was all about morality and ethics and being a good person. Changed my life. The beauty of communion is that you get to pause It's going to take a few minutes to consider your heart, consider your actions, and then, even more importantly, to consider Christ. I'll give you a reason to pause this morning. Isaiah the prophet alone is a reason to pause. In Isaiah 7 that we looked at on December the 6th, you get a pattern of a young woman conceiving and bearing a son as a sign. In Isaiah 9... The prophet says, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. He'll be Lord. And that child born will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, all written centuries before Jesus' birth. In Isaiah 11 that we looked at on the 20th of December, a shoot will come from a stump of Jesse, the house and line of David. And from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. What an image a green shoot from a black stump. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight will be in the fear of the Lord. Who else was Jesus but this one for whom God's spirit rested? And in Isaiah 53 that we'll look at at 8.30 and 10.30 on the 27th of December, please come join us. The prophet says, he was pierced for our transgressions. This servant was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Go look up and look at the Dead Sea Scrolls. Isaiah is there. Isaiah the prophet, they're not doctored in the New Testament, added by monks later. You heard that? That's 19th century rubbish. Isaiah is pre-Christ's birth, centuries before. And how about this prophecy from Isaiah 61, our Old Testament lesson, this piece of enigmatic poetry. Hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus comes this character, a servant not named. And yet this servant will restore the fortunes of a group of people, a set of people called the poor. And it begs the question, am I part of that set? Good news we find out for the poor the brokenhearted, those in prison. Let me read it to you. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Who is this? Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Is that you? To proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. You say, I'm not a slave. Maybe you are. Maybe we are to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, his grace and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. And here it is, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. 
a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. In Isaiah's day, Israel were the poor. They were the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners, the ones mourning in exile, punishment for their sin, mourning in their sickness and indeed their death. That's why the carol says, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. That's us who have faith in Jesus Christ, that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. That's 8th century AD. And yet the prophecy is that one will come, not named here, anointed by God himself, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord on him, not anointed by human beings, to bring good news, words of comfort to those who mourn, bandages to bind broken hearts, keys to free, a key to free prisoners, a crown of beauty, oil of joy, and a garment of praise, says Isaiah the prophet, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Simeon was looking for the comfort of Israel in Luke chapter 2 and said he was happy to die when he saw Jesus as a child. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus read those words out from Isaiah 61. He read them out. And then we're told in Luke 4 verse 20, he rolled up the scroll, so dramatic, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say to them, today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I get chills every time I read that. Now, one of the angels of the Lord said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. I knew a man who once took, a long time ago, he took his daughter to church on Christmas Eve. His daughter was a teenager, a young teenager, and he was a cynic about faith, but he wanted his daughter to be happy, and he thought maybe carols would do the trick. The daughter said to the father, I want to speak to the guy who just gave the talk, which I had done, and I'd been speaking on Isaiah the prophet, and she came up to me and she said, how is all this true if what you said is correct, that it was all written well beforehand? And the father listened. It takes a lot of humility, doesn't it, for a dad to hear his daughter have something else explained by another gentleman. But he was humble in that moment. He listened as I explained prophecy, the nature of prophecy in the Bible, neither overplaying the hand, but certainly not underselling it, explaining how these verses are fulfilled in the life of Jesus. The daughter paused, you see. She still believes. Red light, amber light. How about a green light? What do you want to do this morning? Well, I want to urge you to stand up, I mean, metaphorically, in your heart. <laughs> Why stand at Christmas? For the person who recognizes Jesus, who receives him, good news. In Isaiah 60, just before this passage, <sighs> arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises on you like a dawn. See, darkness covers the earth, sin and death. And thick darkness is over all the peoples. We've all sinned. But the Lord rises on you 
and His glory appears over you. You can get up, you see. You can arise. Do you know the story of the prodigal son sitting there in the pigsty of his own choices? What does he do? I will, I will arise and go to my father and say unto him. So first, like the prodigal son, you have to get low. You have to get low. I'm sorry, there's no other way. The Apostle Peter writes, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. You can get up. Bono from you too. If you want to kiss the sky, you better learn how to kneel. O holy night, fall on your knees. O hear the angels' voices. O night divine. O night when Christ was born. Do you hear him today? Is the Spirit of God alive in you? Awakening you? He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzle was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. Start being a follower of Jesus Christ. Arise, take bread and wine. Not just as an admirer anymore, but as a follower. Jesus needs no more admirers. There's about six billion of them minus a handful. No more admirers, followers instead. People who stop, people who pause. And if you want to pause today, we want to give you a Bible. Um, that's my challenge to you today, if at all. Well, my challenge is to take bread and wine with new faith. But maybe you're pausing still. That's okay. People need to take their time. We want to give you a Bible today and my challenge to you is this, if you know in your mind right now that walking in your front door after this morning's service that you could not locate within two minutes a simple, readable Bible, if you don't know where it is on the bookshelf or where it is in the cupboard to unearth, then we want you to take one. And there's a couple here this morning. And if we do run out, by the way, then you talk to me because I'll get you, I will drive it around to your home within two days' time, assuming you don't live in the northern, northern beaches. Take a Bible. Start with the Gospel of Luke. Because they walked past that busker, Joshua Bell. Seven people stopped to listen. 23 threw in change for a total of about $32. Is that, is that you? $32. Do not walk past Jesus Christ. You have to first receive him. As John said, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or of husband's will, but born of God. Let's pray. We look at the story of the birth of Jesus and we say how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. And then this morning we say, in the same way, God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. Silently, even in this moment, as it was then in the first nativity, so now we pray that you would impart to our hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming. But in this world of sin, oh yes, 
where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Father, give us courage to believe, to take bread and wine, the lights going on, heart pounding, believing for the first time, perhaps for many of us. Faith in Jesus Christ. Amen.